A couple of weeks ago, I posed this question to you. What would you do if you had a superpower? Would you use it or would you abuse it? This led us to the story, I'm an urban legend in this city, much to your collective delight, and instantly you had a clamoring for more. Well, my dear friends, I'm glad to say that the author has obliged, and tonight we're doing part two of this urban legend series, in which we examine the actions of the protagonist, the Invisible Man. Well, my dear friends, are you ready to once again to sit back and relax with your favorite drink? Good. Then let's listen. So I wasn't expecting to post again. I figured that last one would be one and done. But you know what? I feel kind of drawn to this in a way. <laughs> I had fun. The stories I have feel interesting enough to keep going, and believe me, I need to kill the time somehow. But if I'm going to continue this, then I think some introductions are in orders. I'm Marty. Not short for Martin, because... Apparently my dad decided to be lazy signing my birth certificate. But I like it better this way anyways, so it's all good. I broke into my old house last night. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here writing this out on the new resident's laptop. Why, I hear you asking. Well, that's kind of a long story. I managed to get myself into a bit of trouble. A few weeks ago, a little after that last post... I tried to steal something from a certain cult. Yes, I can feel the palms landing on your face, but believe me, I didn't have any bad intentions. I wasn't just being an asshole and stealing for the sake of stealing. I'm not a petty thief like that anymore. <laughs> I had some kind of plan in mind. Writing all of that out last night kind of forced me to think about the Force years again. I tried to forget how big a presence they have in my city most of the time. Just like you probably tend to ignore the fact that there's almost certainly criminal activity in your city. It's not fun to think about the shadier side of life like that. Not just people dying, people being killed for someone else's gain. No monsters and mystery, unless you count the police investigation and the person that pulled the trigger. That post reminded me of just how much I dislike these people. Yeah. In any other scenario, the Forseers would be called a gang. They have ties to a lot of criminal stuff in the city, and some way of making people who cross them disappear without a trace. People who don't necessarily deserve it all the time either. And they haven't been caught, despite it being somewhat common knowledge to anyone who gives enough of a shit to look into it. Or... Maybe it's just common knowledge to me since, given my situation, I'm privy to hearing about things people only talk about behind closed doors. But the fact of the matter is that they pull this shit almost completely unchallenged, with no one really looking into them. The only reason they're not labelled as a gang outright is they actually believe what they peddle, and somehow that makes people more reluctant to do anything about them. Well... It gets under my skin. Maybe it wasn't the smartest idea, but I decided to play hero. Considering they couldn't see me anyways, it's not like I was putting myself in any real danger, right? So, I made my way over to one of the Forcier markets. Dingy places off on the edge of town. 
I call it a market. It's not really anything as fancy as that would imply. Just a few stands in a big dirt lot. No real buildings because they move around from time to time. They sell a bunch of voodoo junk like protection charms and have a couple of food trucks. Fun to look through and a bit of a tourist trap, but honestly not much more than a glorified gift shop for our city. The fortune teller's tent is the sole exception, and they don't try too hard to hide that fact. It's the crown jewel of the whole place, no matter how and when they set it up. Getting there took me a while. You've got to imagine how hard it is just to walk places now without getting hit by a car. I'm basically forced to take the emptier back roads, like neighborhoods, and when I'm forced to go across one of the busy streets, I have to be smart about it. Crosswalks are obviously out. The amount of people who will just run a red light if they think no one's around is a lot higher than you'd think, cameras or not. I usually just cross when there are no cars nearby, or wait for the light to be red when there's a decently large group and go behind them. Being the way I am makes getting places a lot harder than it should be. That and the fact that I was going mostly on foot made the trip take almost an entire day. The plan was simple. When I got there, I break in and steal a bit of cash while making it as obvious as possible that something is stolen. Then I stand around and wait for them to do something about it and follow the important looking people using my situation to my advantage. I wasn't really sure what I'd do from there. Uh, figure out why they don't get caught when they disappear people, probably, and take some steps to undo their efforts. Yeah, simple. Problem was, it was the middle of the night by the time I got there, and I realized they didn't have cash registers or anything. <laughs> they wouldn't. I was stupid to even think they would in the first place, with booths out in the open like this. They probably kept their money on their person after any kind of sale. Well, I didn't know what to do. I searched through the market stands for anything valuable enough that they might care if it was missing and turned up zilch. Not a thing worth touching, unless I counted the stands themselves. There was no one even around right now anyways. No one to see whatever I stole. I leaned against the metal side of a truck in a food court-style area inside, looking over the market one last time. My eyes caught on the large purple tent in the centre of it all. It was done up in a generic gypsy fortune teller style. Even though they're all very Texan and white as the driven snow, it was all more for the effect than anything else, probably. They didn't need any of it. In that moment, I knew what I could steal that they might care about, and I knew exactly what I could do to catch their attention. Inside of that tent was a giant religious relic of theirs, a massive cross with a big eye in the center of it, a foot and a half tall by a foot wide, maybe two inches thick, and done up in fake gold-plated aluminum, the symbol of their church. God, even that's generic as all hell, Cheap, too, but I was going to steal it because it was the only thing in there that wasn't fake. Well, to them, at least. I knew where it'd be. I'd been there once before. It'd be hanging above the table dead center in the tent, above the bullshit crystal ball and the fancy woven tablecloth. I was spiteful, 
I wanted to piss these people off and make it obvious that I was trying to. I started by grabbing a big thing of cooking oil and a grill lighter from the food truck. At the front of the tent, I poured a whole bunch of it into the sand and turned it to mud. Then I caked it onto my boots and stepped into the tent. I poured cooking oil behind me as I walked, in a big circle around it. And then I climbed onto their table with their precious fancy tablecloth and spread as much mud as I could onto it. After I co-opted the cross from the hook it was hanging on, I walked straight out of the tent and lit it on fire. The blaze grew a lot faster than I was expecting. I had to jump back. Not five minutes later, I heard the sound of a truck driving up to the market. Three guys stepped out. The first was a scrawny, dopey-looking guy with big ears and shaggy hair, wearing a red jacket with white stripes down the sides. He looked bored, like he didn't want to be here. He'd stepped out of the passenger seat, hands in his jacket pockets the whole time. Next was the driver. He was definitely the one in charge. He looked intimidating. He wore a black tank top, jeans, and black army boots. He had a tattoo on the left side of his neck. A green eye. Not a very detailed one, just a simple eye shape filled in with green with a black dot in the center. His hair was short, black, and combed back. And he was mad. I got some smug satisfaction in that. I'd have also called him a big guy, if the third guy hadn't stepped out. Now the third was a muscle head. No, that's not right. The third was a living wall of meat that someone had painted a face onto. The first thing that I noticed as he stepped out of the back seat was that his hands were massive. He looked like he could crush someone's skull with one arm tied behind his back. The second thing is that he was completely bald. Not just on his head, but his body hair too. I could tell it was shaved. I could see it growing back in certain spots. He was wearing the same thing as the boss guy, and standing a few feet away, completely expressionless. Now, he scared me. I was thanking whatever God had blessed me to be the way I was in this situation here. I realized the scrawny one was the only one not getting with the program, wearing the same outfit as the rest. But when I looked closer, it turned out he was. He was just wearing it under his jacket. The boss yelled out to the other two, confirming my suspicions that he was indeed the boss. Search the place. They're probably still here. If you let them get away, it's your ass. Those two split up to look through the stands in the market, while he walked towards the tent, getting as close to the fire as he could manage. He peeked inside through the door flap I had left open, and I saw his hands clench hard. I wanted to be able to laugh at him, relish the fact that I had pulled one over on the shittiest people in the city, and in the fact I was going to keep doing it, but I couldn't. I felt weirdly guilty. I took the joy out of this one for me. Not for them, of course. I knew exactly what they'd done, and they didn't deserve any guilt. But what if they blamed the wrong person or something, and I couldn't save them? What if they started doubling down on how shitty they were, when they couldn't find me, to send a message to everyone else? 
or if they just moved to another city where nobody would be able to deal with them. Oh, I had so many regrets bubbling up now over this stupid plan. He straightened back up before yelling in a booming voice. Listen, we know you're still there. You can't have gotten far. He was right in front of me as he said it, looking straight through me like I was a ghost. We're going to find you for doing this, whoever you are, and then we're going to gut you nice and slow. And after that, before you bleed out, we're going to feed you to the horse. You know the one we're talking about. He damped up his slight Texas drawl to a ridiculous level. He probably thought it made him sound scarier. Just made him sound like a redneck. But then again, he hadn't talked much before. I had no proof he wasn't one. I hit him hard across the face with a cross. Mostly out of spite. Every word coming out of his mouth that pissed me off. Made my blood boil. Thinking about what he'd done to so many undeserving people. What he was promising to do to me for daring to be against that. Figured I'd at least leave a nasty bruise on his face for him to find later when he left. Well... That's not what happened. Instead, he let out an intimidating fuck through gritted teeth right after the impact and stumbled back a couple steps. It caught me so off guard that I almost tripped. I just froze in place, staring at him. He looked around for whoever had done it, but he unfocused whenever he looked towards me, which was good. It meant he didn't see me. Fuck, he muttered, still gritting his teeth hard. The other two came running back at the noise. The boss guy was holding his hand up to his nose now. I heard the dopey guy whisper something to him, and he responded a little more nasally this time. I don't know. It was like... Like... He stopped. It seemed like he was thinking about something for a second. He put his hand down, took a deep breath, and then did a weird cross-eyed movement. Then he closed his eyes. When he opened them again and looked around, his eyes focused on me, just for a second. Everything was still for what probably felt a lot longer than it was. He shifted his whole body towards me in a split second. I ran. He started chasing after me, along with the two goons behind him. They were probably much faster and more in shape than I'd been in my entire life, but they were still having trouble keeping up with me. The boss guy was the only one that could actually see me, and he was losing sight whenever I took a turn or moved too erratically. When he couldn't see me, the goons were just left floundering. I took advantage of that and jumped through the window of one of the stands. I lost them. I listened intently while waiting for them to leave. They stopped a little ways away from the one I was in, panting. You know, she's the only one who'd do that. I assumed it was the dopey-looking one. The voice didn't seem like it would fit the muscle head. He stopped talking for a bit to take in more breath. Abby's the only one who could hit you like that without being seen. I say she's the only one who'd stand up to you. After an intimidation act like that, too. Nah, she's back at the stilts. Locked in a cell for now. 
the guy with the tattoo shot back. And she's not dumb enough to pull something like this. She'd be more subtle about it. That's why we locked her up to begin with. Did they get away? This had to be the muscle guy. His voice sounded like someone tied a brick to his balls when he was younger. Was it Abby? No, and no. I'm pretty sure it was a man. And I doubt they got away so easily. We only just lost them, I think. But we need to get back. I wasn't expecting one of them. We don't have time to deal with that. Let's just call the horse. The southern drawler crept back into his voice slightly. Let's get back to my sister before she actually pulls something herself. And with that, he whistled. Loudly. Then, they started booking it back to their truck. I listened and waited until the sound of their truck faded off into the distance. Then slowly, I crawled out from my hiding place. I heard what sounded like the truck driving back again almost immediately after I got out. I wanted to slap myself. Of course it was a trick. They were just trying to lure me out. Still, I started running. Except I noticed that the sound was wrong. It sounded like the truck from before, but not quite. The best way to put it would be off-key, like someone was playing the sound of the truck on a broken speaker. And behind that was a loud sort of thumping noise, like the back of the truck was full of rocks or something. And then, in an instant, it was like a sandstorm had blown through. Dust was everywhere. Stands were being sent flying, and the fire from the tent had gone out. I started running as fast as my legs could carry me. I was still worn out from when I'd been chased before, but the adrenaline carried me through. When I looked back, I couldn't see anything. Just a trail of destruction left behind. Whatever was back there didn't seem to be following me. It was just tearing up the marketplace, knocking things down. It was completely invisible in the same way I was, but it was not like me. It wasn't human. It was big, and strong enough to knock over one of the food trucks like it was nothing. And behind it, where it should have left footprints, there were just large cannonball-shaped holes in the dirt. Round, smooth, and bigger across than my head, if not larger. Probably much larger, since I was seeing them at a distance. I ran into the desert, and I didn't stop. I had nowhere else to run. It had come from the road, and I wasn't confident enough in my invisibility now to try and walk past it. I just kept running further into the desert through the night. By the time the sun had risen, I'd finally made my way through, back into something that resembled civilization. I recognized where I was. My old house. By pure lucky coincidence... I'd gone in a circle around the city instead of just out into the deserts. I could crash there, and I'd been planning to head there anyways. I had something important stashed there just in case, from before all of well, this. So I decided to sneak inside under the new guy's nose. There were two people out front. I realized, almost a second too late, that one of them was a certain Mr. Aronia. I quickly ducked behind a big rock so he wouldn't see me. He was carrying a tall, lanky guy with glasses, who was slowly limping his way inside. 
I would have found it funny under normal circumstances, because Heronieth is a bit on the short, chubbier side, and this guy was like a walking tree. I actually do find it a little funny now that I've had a chance to calm down. But at that moment, I just wanted to get inside, think on everything I'd just seen, and take a long nap. I waited for the stray ghost hunter to get in his car and drive off, before walking up and trying the door. It was locked, obviously, but I knew my house inside out, and I knew what wouldn't be locked. The second floor window. There were no locks on it. It was a bit of a risky climb, but one I'd made more than once when I was a little short on rent and Joey was trying to kick me out. And, well, that's about it. Now I'm here in the basement with a borrowed laptop, typing out everything that's happened to me in the past day or so. I'd stashed a lot of stuff here, in an old box hidden behind the water heater. But the important thing I mentioned was a gun, an old revolver and a case of ammo. I have a lot to explain about myself that I'll probably need to get into, like why I have this in the first place, but not right now. For now, just know that I need it, that I might be dead without it. They can see me. Me. So, I need to be able to defend myself. Especially since they still have their trump card. That horse. My plan may have gone off the rails and into the deep end. But at the end of the day, I succeed in what I was trying to do. I figured out how they're getting away with murder. I know exactly what horse they were talking about now. Realistically, there's only one thing it could be. How many giant invisible monsters could there be in one city? It was the Texas Plains Unicorn. And I have to kill it. when things are really hotting up. He thought he could get away with anything, didn't he, the Invisible Man? Well, it turns out that somebody can see him. Do you want more? Would you like the author to continue? If so, please let me know in the comments below and we will get a bit of a conversation going. Well, everything's still going good in my new country. Uh, trying to keep up with the schedule. Doing okay so far, but Wi-Fi connection is a little bit dicey, so I'll keep them coming as and when I can. Well, enough for me for one night, but of course, of course, I will be back again very soon. Till then, sweet dreams and bye-bye. Thank you so much for choosing to spend your time listening to me. Now, if you enjoyed the Dr. Creepin experience, then come find me on Facebook. Come chat with me on Twitter. Listen to the background music and download it if you like on SoundCloud. Drop by the store, pick up a t-shirt. And, importantly, if you've got a story you'd like me to read, send it to Dr. Creepin's Vault. 
the subreddit I set up so that I could read your stories. Now, looking forward to seeing you all again real soon. So, come check me out, okay? <laughs>